Welcome to another episode of the Relax Just Love podcast, vegan edition. I have the pleasure to be sitting with Susanna Gardner. She is an animal advocate, author, and retired lawyer. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? It's Friday. It's a beautiful day. It's getting cold, but except for that, it's a beautiful day, so I'm good. Good. Yeah, well, we're in Canada, so that's what we have to expect this time of year. <laughs> but Toronto's never that cold, though. Like, compared to... Yeah. I'm about an hour and a half north of Montreal. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to start snowing soon. There's going to be a lot of snow soon. So yeah. You are very brave. <laughs> or very stupid. <laughs> really dep- <laughs> definitely <laughs> brave. Definitely, definitely brave. Yeah. It really depends how you see it. Absolutely. It's all about perspective. Life is all about perspective. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so that, that's one thing I wanted to start with you, uh, start with, because it is something that I find absolutely amazing. So you were saying that you started the first animals, animals right law firm in Canada. Yes. And what, where did the idea come from? Why did you decide to do that? Yeah, so that that could have been a crazy idea too. <laughs> a lot of people questioned me. It was almost a decade ago. Um, the idea came uh, really before I even went to law school, and it had been brewing in my mind. I had always wanted to help animals, wanted to help the animal rights movement. There just wasn't much in terms of you know career or any possibilities at that time. So I started off as a volunteer at uh, an animal shelter, simple as that, walking dogs, grooming the cats, the rabbits, and got to know the staff and like the beautiful stories, the adoptions, but then also the sad stories that were related to the inadequate laws at the time, which still unfortunately in some places exist. And that motivated me to continue on the path and Um, I decided after I did a Master of Law uh, thesis on animal rights, I was very lucky to be able to write about that. And afterward, just decided to just try it, try, try an animal law firm and see what happens. I didn't expect it to be full time work. I was very open minded, but I uh, was pleasantly surprised to learn that there is a need and there were cases that were meaningful in terms of moving the laws forward. So what type of, because I know you probably dealt a lot with BSL, uh, considering Ontario, as far as I know, I haven't looked into it in a long time, but as far as I know, Ontario still has BSL in place, right? Yes, absolutely. So yes, you are absolutely correct. So BSL, so breed specific legislation, unfortunately, is um, is legislation in Ontario under the Dog Owners Liability Act. They call it DOLA, and it prohibits uh, certain breeds that are uh, substantially similar to the pit pit bull breed, and they have this criteria. Um, and yes, those were my most passionate. Uh, meaningful cases um, to deal with. I'm happy to share that I was able to save quite a few. Um, There were some sad stories too, of course, as as such as life. So that is a really, really important topic that I feel passionate about to 
um, to move forward as I am now entering advocacy. I don't know yet how I'm going to do that, but I'd like to uh, be involved in this BSL legislation, which really needs to be repealed. So to put it into layman's term, BSL is really, they define a dog that somewhat looks dangerous as per whatever criteria that they decide and call them dangerous. So basically you cannot have them in your, you cannot have them as pet unless you had them prior to the legislation and any dogs that is confiscated or that is found is euthanized. They don't keep them into the animal shelters, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, you, you understand it uh, just as well as I do, more or less. It's it's based on um, this criteria where they say substantially similar. So the problem with it really is that there's a huge spectrum of mm. criteria that they decide, the shelters and um, the, the Ontario government, that really leaves the door open for, uh, for a lot of misconception and then a lot of animals and their humans suffering as a result it's um it's the mentality to not blame the individual that's that's what i find interesting is it all comes down all the problems in society no matter what you're talking about always comes down to the individual itself and we tend to not take responsibility or not put the responsibility on the owner of that responsibility and if your dog is a dangerous dog it's because of the owner 100 percent that's fault it has 100%. the kindest dogs. I'm a big, I have German shepherds, as you know, we were talking yeah, about, so that before. Yeah, I have a German but, but it's the first time in my life that I get, I have German shepherds. I'm not a German shepherds fan. Oh, it, really? it, no, oh. it's a very interesting story. Shepherds? Uh, <laughs> I, okay. You know what? I'll just explain it. I am, you know what psychedelics are? So I'm a big fan of psychedelics. I believe that they are a they are a gate to our subconscious and to elevate ourselves. I don't see them as drugs. I don't see them as uh, recreational drugs whatsoever. Like I, I I don't really drink. I don't drink coffee. I don't smoke weed. I am a very mindful person when it comes to altered state of consciousness. Wow. And I had a very big trip of psilocybin mushrooms. And I was alone in my apartment in Montreal about like a couple of years ago. And I had an, an hallucination of my youngest of Luana, my, the, the black uh, German shepherd. During my trip, I saw her. Really? The day after I went online and I started looking at dogs and I found her. So I bought it. I went to, I went to get her. Yeah. That's so cool. So it showed you what, yep. what was supposed to come into your life. Absolutely. And then I rescued Lulu, which is the, the, the beige one. And I'd love, I'll probably rescue dogs for the rest of my life. That's one thing I would love to be able to do is to have a sanctuary for dogs. I'm a big fan of dogs. I love dogs way more than I do uh, humans in general. Um, (laughs) The, but I'm a big fan of uh, American bulldogs, but I had, I I lived in Toronto for four years and I had an American bulldog down there. Okay. And they fell under the BSL. Oh. I had them. I technically had my dogs illegally. I just didn't care because I love my dogs more than I care about that specific law. To me, it makes no sense. Did you but have mo- encounter any problems? Did anyone ever? No. 
No, but they, but he, my bigger, my first one was a monster. He was like 120 pounds of muscle. He was, his neck was like 28 or 29 inches thick. Like it was massive, but big baby, big, big, big baby. Had not about, you raise your voice at him to, to punish him for something. He'd just crawl somewhere and he, 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 my ex-wife had a karate school in Oakville and we would bring him put t- he was so massive we could put small t-shirts on him wow. he would fit in a small and oh, he just cool. entertained the kids he was always behind the counter at the at the dojo they're beautiful beautiful dogs um blue i saw i was looking at your instagram profile earlier yeah. it what's going on with blue so um so i'm really happy to share that blue um was returned to his family um and that's really positive news, like for the individuals. Um, that family was really distraught. I actually met them at a protest. There was a BSL protest uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'll post that as well. Um, but it, you know, wasn't easy. The dog was seized um, from essentially their home. So they had a. I don't know if you're familiar with what happened. No, um, no, not at all. A, no. Yeah, so it was Vaughn and the um, the owner. I like to call them guardian. Uh, rather than owner, I can get into yeah, that after. But yeah, so if I refer yeah. to uh, to pet parents as guardians, that's yeah. the reason um, to soften the relationship. But in, in essence, in the law, they are still owned, right? So yeah, that's yeah. fine. Um, so he was um, cooking, and um, unfortunately, the smoke detector went off. Uh, they opened the doors, left the back door open. Blue got out, and. Right there and then, I don't know how, Animal Services, Vaughn Animal Services seized Blue and wouldn't return him. And it was an uphill battle, but thankfully uh, it ends with a happy story. That's not always how it ends, as you and I both know. And I have to say that from my experience meeting these uh, guardians and their, their dogs when they're released, I realized how gentle these dogs are. Uh, most of them have never bit anyone. Uh, it's simply due to their appearance, which yep. which is just unbelievable, isn't it? It's it's pure stupidity. It makes absolutely no sense. Just the fact that they call them pit bulls, which is not even a type of dog. They're Staffshire, no. but they're not pit bulls. Pit bulls do not exist. But That's yet right. they created. Well. Yes. They just created a type that. Any dog that is somewhat muscular, we will fit them into that category. We'll pass, they will fall under the legislation and we can do whatever we want with it. But yet they tend to forget that most of the dog bites happen for small dogs. Yes. Yes. It, oh, it is. Oh, I, I was such, I, I'm such a fan of dogs. It's just, so I don't understand. I don't understand how we can treat them that way. And we accept that as citizens like in Ontario and in Montreal, where I, I lived for a while, where it was like that too. Yes. The, on the city level, they had an equivalent of a BSL. Yes, which now has been lifted. Yes, that it's been lifted by, by the current mayor. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's, that's but they was still, it, it's, it, they always take the blame off of the individual and put it on. It's like blaming the spoon for being fat. Like it's the, but but it's the same thing I I know. yes yes totally totally yeah so um so some of these dogs were uh transported to montreal yeah so they wouldn't they wouldn't be returned to their guardians and uh just a really sad case 
um, in general, I can think of where the family was just so distraught. This dog was an emotional support animal. I have no doubt about it. Did not bite anybody. Again, picked up by animal services. And um, the guardian ended up moving to Montreal. You know, if... Because she was so attached. Yep. And there was no way to negotiate a settlement. So, so that's where I just always say that, unfortunately or fortunately, the laws are very important because the laws dictate the animal rights movement. And this is definitely one of those really unfortunate, um, antiquated laws that continues in Ontario. What, um, if you ever fall into a situation where you do have dogs that needs guardians or that needs um, shelters whatever it is please let me know that is one thing that is so close to my heart I cannot understand how we treat dogs it makes zero zero sense to me so anything oh. I can do to help please let me know okay. I would I would take them here in oh. my place and figure out how to do it later but okay. I would take them in absolutely okay, wonderful yeah so well I'm moving into this direction now with advocacy uh, yeah so I'm sure I'll come up with, you know, some scenarios where, you know, the dogs need to be um, transported or. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's really kind of you. Um, what was I going to ask? I was going to ask about. Um, so she moved from Toronto to Montreal to be with her dog, obviously, which. One of the cases, yeah. What, um, what about kill shelters? Do you guys have a lot of those in Toronto? Toronto, from what I know, is pretty good. So okay. um, there is a, a strong community of um, advocates, even within the shelter system, that are like you and I, right? Yep. So we love the animals, and that's that's really positive. Um, there are there's the Toronto Humane Society, which is no kill, the Etobicoke Humane Society. Okay. There's no kill, so they've adopted this no kill policy. Um, the municipal services, the pound, right, as you would know it, um, that is uh, still permitted to kill, like they, they still do have kill. I don't know the statistics, right? So that's one of the problems is the transparency, the accountability. And that's where I go back to the laws. So if the laws uh, change and updated, then we wouldn't have um, kill rates. In, let me ask you this: In Canada, is are animals considered property, or they are they considered uh, sentient beings? So, in Canada as a whole, um, from what I understand, animals are unfortunately considered property, personal property. Mm -hmm. So, in the same way that the chair that you're you and I are sitting on. Um, However, the laws are slowly changing. So, for example, in Quebec. Um, there is legislation that recognizes animals as sentient beings. Okay. That's positive. That's promising. And there are cases that move forward in the courts in which some judges will consider what the, what's called the best interests of the animal. So, for mm. example, um, a couple is divorced. They both want the dog. There are some cases that are coming forward that are considering the feelings of the dog as opposed to regarding the dog as a piece of furniture. So that's positive, but it's not, of course, not going fast enough. And there are changes that need to happen, of course, as a whole. 
nothing ever goes fast enough when you're no. talking about cruelty, right? Absolutely. It never does. Absolutely. Unfortunately, always takes a long That's time right. to change. Yes. And sadly, Canada has uh, one of the worst animal protection laws in the world, which is really shocking, I know. And Seriously? I don't mean, yeah, and I don't mean to be a downer because I love I love Canada and, and love so many people. There's so many people like you and I that absolutely love animals and um, are advocates, activists. Um, unfortunately, the laws uh, require updating and you brought it up, right? The BSL is just one of many examples. I'm very surprised. I thought we would have been <clears throat> we would have been better than that. It always surprises me how we lack so much compassion towards those animals because most of them has done nothing, have done nothing wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. Except for being alive. That's uh, basically yeah. their only the only thing wrong they did, it seems, is to, to be alive. It's absolutely ludicrous. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, it's, it's very sad and, and it can become overwhelming. So it's it's really important to just continue and to stay strong and passionate and continue with the advocacy and activism like what you're doing is absolutely wonderful and your podcast will help uh, awaken others and participate in this movement because there's power in numbers absolutely there's powers in numbers absolutely as long as the community that holds those numbers are are in accordance like they agree with each other Yes, because unfortunately we see that in the vegan community we tend to bicker at ourselves like uh, at each other within the same community it makes no sense yes yes it's really sad and it's uh it's it's i feel um part of the reason that we're we're perhaps not progressing as quickly as we can um we have to all remember that we're on our own journeys and we really have to lead by example, which is what you had said to me at the beginning, which I absolutely loved. And I'm going to put that in my book because <laughs> I, I actually really think that's awesome that you said that. Um, it's important for us to realize that people are conditioned from infancy uh, to believe one thing. And it's a process. It's a process for them like it was a process for us and mm -hmm. For us not to be righteous to be more inclusive in the conversation because if we are open to a conversation then we're open to convincing people i believe and what you and, said leading by example and not that's what i try to do others not blaming yeah. others either not no absolutely not absolutely not I, I for example what i like to do is i like to bake vegan these vegan brownies cookies and I give them to my friends. And I mean, it's just as simple as saying, oh yeah, there's like, there's no milk, there's no dairy, yeah. there's no sugar. It's so healthy and they love it. Mm -hmm. And then they become interested. Oh, Susanna, so how long have you been vegan? The conversation just starts more naturally. And I personally am a fan of that. I feel more comfortable. What made you go vegan in the first place? Actually, I didn't ask you. Okay. Um, well, it was a journey for me as well. So I had been vegetarian. Oh, so for many, many years, um, probably it started tapping into it when I was 10 or 11, like really young. Oh. I just made that connection. I went to a steakhouse with my parents and they brought out a, a bloody steak. And I just in that moment made that connection. And so I became vegetarian, sort of played around with that, you know, vegetarianism, which at that time was almost unheard of. Um, 
never really liked meat in any event, but made that connection. But I didn't make the connection to vegan until later in life because I didn't know. So many of us don't know. I didn't know the cows were mistreated. I, I didn't know that the, the veal, the babies are killed. I mean, it was just a, a shock. So I thought eating cheese and milk was okay. Yeah. for a long time and then what happened was I had you know young law students come work for me and slowly I, I realized you know this was way in the very beginning of my practice what their lifestyle was and why and as I got to know their stories I understood and read more and more uh, about the the truth uh, I was uh, I haven't ate meat in about 12 years but I was vegetarian for eight years before turning vegan and it, to me i was just i saw earthlings the documentary oh yeah and yeah, but they don't talk about their the dairy industry no. they talk about the animal portion and from then it was no animals byproduct no fur but it took me a long time to realize that there's no difference with comparing meat to milk products to cheese to Anything that is an animal byproduct, there's no difference. It is all, they're all obtained in a cruel way. Free yeah, run. It all involves suffering. Free run eggs. There's no such oh. thing. Oh my God. That's a marketing term oh. that is baloney. They, Absolutely. oh, baloney. That's funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but it is so untrue. It is just a marketing term to make something looks good. Yes. But I believed it for years, though. For eight years, I believed it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 brainwashing at its best. And how, yeah, your how about your kids? Are they are they vegan? How does that work with your kids? So my kids are uh, open to the conversation, yeah. right? So they uh, they definitely have vegan meals. So what I really yeah. like to make for them are the Beyond, yeah, um, burgers, um, the Impossible. They love that. And so we have the conversation. They love animals, like absolutely love. So we have uh, a rabbit, a little dwarf rabbit in the house. Uh, we have a cat and we have two dogs. So they're exposed to animals and they go with me to the uh, rescues when I, when I go for, um, for interviews or photos. And it's a journey for them as well. Again, I'm, I'm leading by example. And I'm hoping, of course, that's my greatest wish that that is what their future will consist of and so that's what i do for them but you're leading you're letting them make their own decisions basically I, I am yeah i am letting them make their own decisions i think it's very important i agree i completely yeah, in, agree with in you. my house like what i serve what they have outside i mean i can't really say for sure but yeah. i'm hopeful that their their consciousness is also uh, rising as they become aware the you mentioned uh, going to shelters do you think there it would be beneficial for let's say children like let's say uh, children in primary school or secondary school to have to volunteers to those places to be because i always i'm always thinking about ways where we could educate the youth and i know that showing brutal videos might work might not work it's like yeah. adults Maybe for some it will work, for some it will not work. But I'm always trying to think about ways that we can impact them. Do you think that going to shelters, helping out in shelters, would actually help them see how mistreated animals can be? And I'm talking about 
dog like an owner can mistreat their dogs and then they get rid of it like it's just a property wow we eh, it's too much trouble right now let's just give it away and who cares right yeah yeah no I, i absolutely agree with you i think that that would be so helpful and probably one of the most important things that we as advocates and ad- activists can uh, can try to educate the youth, right? The younger generation. Uh, yeah. And again, it's the experience I find of the humans. So if the child is exposed to the animals and realizes what happens in their mistreatment, then their future can be uh, more promising in terms of animal rights. Absolutely, yes, yes. I do, I do believe that, yeah. I mean, you remember even with slaughterhouses, like Paul McCartney had said so so long ago, right, if slaughterhouses had glass walls, yep. everybody would be vegetarian, you see? So it's it's a, it's an awakening, I feel, that needs to happen, and absolutely for the youth. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good idea, actually. What do you think about the... Um, oh, because I, I know in Canada, we're very strong on that, the government subsidize the meat industry the egg industry the milk industry is consumer do have no idea what it costs they have no clue because everything's subsidized so they always think that a vegan diet is more expensive because unfortunately we pay the real price like what we buy is not subsidized what do you think do you think it's a good idea to to subsidize vegan food or to stop subsidizing as a whole to stop subsidizing like food in general or yeah, to birth- show the real price, what the real price of food is. Because right now I had one of my friends, he's not vegan. And he was saying how meat as is getting more and more expensive. And yes. I'm like, dude, you have no clue what it costs. It's so subsidized. You never, you have never paid the real price for meat yet. Oh, so what did you tell your friend that? Well, it's just, we were talking, he's a very clever guy, but we were okay. talking about, how much subsidies there is and he's a big fan of no subsidies at all he believes in free market so he's like i don't want subsidies yeah i'm I'm very um uh kind of open to the conversation but i'm i'm leaning towards this taking away the subsidies as well well obviously for the meat industry um and then vegan food um that's something that people really have just no knowledge of so many right and they think it's expensive, like you said. So that's a problem. Again, it's a misconception. Yeah. And it's, it's it is absolutely. Yeah. It is, it absolutely. is moving forward. I, I believe that we are making progress. As a what do you think is the best way? What I do you think, think is the best way to do progress to make progress? And, awareness. and how do you do that? What do you think is the best way to do that? Well, one of the ways is what you and I are doing right now, mm. I believe, right? Having the conversation. And uh, another way is uh, what you said, I'm taking your ideas away because I really liked them before we spoke um, about the individual um, being convinced that it's good for them. So it's pretty easy when it comes to veganism, because as you and I both know, Nico, vegan is better for your health, better for the animals, better for the planet. I mean, it just seems so simple. So what I would suggest is that people do their own research And if the animal suffering doesn't convince you, then perhaps your health will. And you realize that 
you know, eating plant-based foods and consuming less meat is a benefit to your health. So there's that part of it that I think can convince people easier, unfortunately, because out of sight, out of mind, unfortunately, um, mm. if people don't see the animal suffering, then they, they just, what I found in my experience is they just don't make that connection for whatever reason. That's interesting because I, I've pondered that question many times and I, I've always wondered, are people uh, into cognitive dissonance where they, they know what's going on, but they don't want to face it? Yes. Are they, do they lack the education? I find that hard to believe considering all the videos that are available. This is not 12 years ago when I stopped eating meat. Back then, there was one documentary, the first one that came out, Earthlings, and that's it. There was no other videos than that really showing animal cruelty. Yeah. But I don't know that, don't you think that people are just scared to change? That they just, they're so scared that other people are going to see them a different way. So they just, eh, you know what, I'll stay the way I am, even though I know that the animals, we don't treat them properly. Do you think that's a big factor? Absolutely. I do. I do think that cognitive dissonance is behind the whole yeah. meat and dairy industry. Um, and in particular, if we're referring to adults, people that are grown up that have the uh, individual responsibility to make these decisions when they go to the supermarket. For children, I think it's it's not necessarily cognitive dissonance because they're still developing. They're still, yeah. again, I'm a mother, so I see it myself. It's a lack of awareness and education. So um, which again, then gets, gets, um, uh, really misunderstood for them when they see all these commercials and all this money that's put into, um, promoting, um, the dairy and meat industry. It's unfortunate, right? Um, I learned about, I, I, I've never, I've never looked into it before, but people were talking about the veganary, I think they call it the month of January yes. where you yes. go vegan for a month yes um, yes that's a campaign I've, yeah that, that's actually done quite well and i yeah. think it's a really great idea like to expose people to the idea without uh having them feel overwhelmed so i do promote I, that yeah I, I never promoted it before but for sure i will this year but or next year should i say but sure. i've spoken to a lot of i, I probably spoken to seven or eight hundred vegans in the past month or so and i always ask them how they became vegan and why they became vegan and quite often i surprisingly that had a lot of impact a lot of people started with uh veganary they just tried it for a month tried it for a few weeks and then they're like wow i'm gonna stick to this because they feel so much better oh yeah absolutely it's amazing isn't it oh i'm so happy to hear that that's wonderful and it makes sense right when it when yep. you think about it it can be a little overwhelming uh, with the society that we live in, the restaurants that really are not necessarily conducive to vegan to start off for the month of January, this vegan area. I think that's a great idea. And you're right, people then see how they feel and it's amazing. And then it progresses, I find. And for example, for myself, like I, my whole 
lifestyle now is vegan, right? So the hair products, the lipstick that I put on, yeah. it's all in, it's all cruelty free. It's all, it's all um, made sure that there's no animals that are harmed. It's part of my life. Um, but again, that takes a process as well to get there. Like I think of my rabbit, my little dwarf bunny, and I can't even imagine what they do to animals like these rabbits uh, in laboratories. And I mean, I don't want to make anyone feel bad, but it's, it's necessary for, for people to understand. And again, it was my individual relationship with this rabbit that helped to awaken even an animal rights lawyer, believe it or not. Former, it's, retired. It's amazing what we're capable. As humans, we're capable of the most beautiful act of kindness and love, but we are capable of doing the worst atrocities. We are so we're so in conflict with our own selves it's yeah 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 absolutely amazing that we don't put one and one together yeah and what's really sad for me nico is the animals are the innocent creatures like yep. they really they really didn't do anything to deserve this and all they have is their desire to live they don't have mm -hmm. a right to their life and that's yep. what makes me very sad because the laws don't allow it. Society doesn't allow it. But it's it's um it really is a, a problem in terms of humanity's evolution as well, I believe. Because it's it, that it whole idea of our animals. What are we saying about ourselves as a society if we allow this to continue? When we know, like you said, it's cognitive dissonance at this point. How can someone not know what really happens? Uh, in these slaughterhouses, on these trucks. I mean, it just goes on and on in terms of the cruelty and suffering for the animal. It's, I, I don't know that it's possible that people are not aware that I think they just don't care. Personally, I, I think agree. we're so selfish that we don't care. I think they turn a blind eye. I really, yeah. do. I think they turn a blind eye and I think it's a lot harder to change and to look within yourself. And so it's easier to just, you know, Yep. turn around and not worry or think about where that meat on the plate came from you know there i i have a t-shirt done it says uh would you still eat me if you had to kill me yeah and this is a question i've been wondering for myself for the better part of 10 years now yeah. how many people would still eat meat if they had to take the knife slit that throat open open remove the guts and start crowding at the flesh not a lot of people would eat meat anymore not a lot of people not a lot of people and that's something that is positive in terms of our campaigns and our yeah. our ability to convince people to try try vegan go veganish just do something start with the meatless mondays and as you said, you feel better. I mean, I felt a lot better when I stopped yeah. eating dairy. My skin cleared up. Like it yep. was just, it was amazing how much better I felt. Um, and for other people, I feel that there are just so many opportunities now to try to go vegan, that there really is no excuse but we as vegans, as we're, we're part of this, right? This is our, our passion and our goal. I, I believe we have to be more sympathetic. Yeah, more sympathetic and compassionate to others that have questions, that are curious, yes. that are plant-based or plant-curious or vegan-curious, as they call them. Yes, 
Yes, I agree with that completely. Do you know a guy named uh, Doug McNish? He's a chef in Toronto. Do you know uh, him? I don't know him personally, um, but I know him through, we follow each other on Instagram, I believe. And I've seen some of his uh, cool recipes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, does he have a restaurant? I, that's a good question. I'm going to okay. record a podcast with him in the next couple oh, of weeks. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll have to reach out to him and, and check it out if it is. But yeah, he's he's a positive horse for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and his food yeah. looks amazing. His it looks food amazing. Looks ridiculously yeah, good. Yeah, it looks so good. It looks so good. Yeah. But if you try it, let me know because I, I, I was in Toronto. For sure, I would order some of his food. I'd really want to try it. Okay, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Yeah, I will, I will, yeah. There are a lot on the positive front. Um, there are a lot of really delicious vegan restaurants, uh, vegan options. I mean, so many of us were doing Uber Eats, but it really is so simple to, uh, to try veganism uh, and see how you feel. And uh, the options are just endless. What's it like in Montreal? Where uh, Montreal is great. Yeah. We probably, I think last time I checked, top 10 best restaurants in, in, in Canada are three or four of them are in Montreal. Amazing. Oh, yeah. The, the food and like I've been vegetarian and vegan for a while now. And how many times have I gone to restaurants and I'm like, I am, I'm vegan. They don't have an option, but they're like, they're going to. You give a challenge to the chef, just do me something. And they always do. I've never, never had a problem. I'm a big, I, I'm not a big fan of Montreal as the city because it's, I don't like the way the, the mayor is taking care of it. But as a restaurant, as a place to go, it's a party town, right? It's a university yeah. town. There's like three or four universities in Montreal. Oh wow! The food scene there is ridiculously good. So many, so many vegan restaurants now it's, absolutely beautiful there's no you don't have any reasons not to be vegan when you live in a first world country like canada for example oh yeah yeah and that's a really good point that you make yeah. and i do that as a rule um i don't change reservations necessarily if people want to go to the restaurant that they choose and if they choose to order meat that is their choice again but i do exactly what you do is i will yeah. always stand up for myself and voice my concern for the menu I, I i do that because i think it's important um and they are always accommodating yep. like you i've never had uh an experience where the the kitchen won't make a vegan meal but sometimes we have to ask oh absolutely sometimes it's not and on the menu okay. you ask and there's always something they can do to adapt Absolutely. Yeah. And that's important. And that awakens them as well. The more of us do that, Absolutely. the more possibility there will be a vegan dish on their menu. The, if there's a demand for it, like, let's not lie to each other that most uh, companies that do vegan products really care about the animals. They probably don't. They care about, about their bottom line. They want to make money. So they do products that's in demand. So if you demand vegan products and you boycott places that do not have them, I guarantee you that they will start having vegan products wherever you go. Oh, yeah. It's all about supply and demand. Yeah. They only care about their money. At Absolutely. the end of the day, it's a business. They want to make more profit. Yes. If people are not buying from them, they'll create the product that people want. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. 
Um, we're we've been going for almost forty five minutes, but oh, I gotta really? ask you. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Cool. This is. I gotta fun. ask you. I gotta ask you a question. I always ask the same question to everyone sure. I speak to. Um, if you had a chance to speak to your fourteen year old self, what would you tell her? Oh, that's such a nice question. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna cry. That is so sweet. Oh my gosh, that's so sweet, Nico. I would tell her that she understood at a really young age and that self-compassion would have been great because there were so many people along the way that made fun of her and made it difficult for her to carve this 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 uh route this journey but uh you know tap on the shoulder in the end it worked out okay so there's i think the hardest kind of love is self-love self-love yeah yeah it is the hardest that's a great kind of question love. i love that oh my gosh that is oh, so i uh, one of my, one of the things I'd like to do in the future is encourage people to record in their cell phone on the camera, like oh. they were talking to that person. I've done oh, the exercise. Oh, sorry, Let <laughs> me just came. Do you see my German Shepherd? Come. Yeah, 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 yeah. She is. She's looking for me. Are you interrupting uh, the podcast? I close the door. Do you know how smart they are? She opened the door. I have to close mine, or else they would they would try to be in here. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah it's let's it's there she is she's gone now yeah oh, it's so okay i think that's wonderful yeah it's it's this self-compassion and yeah. compassion for others as well right so we we have i think a responsibility and duty um to 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 be compassionate to others along their way i've learned as well to be patient with others like i want everybody to know what i know today and I've realized it's not possible. You see, I'm, I'm shocked when I go to a restaurant and I see people ordering veal. I'm just, I, I can't even, I mean, every animal, forget just the veal, but do they know this is a baby? And does the baby's life take any factor in their two minute meal? If you, if you know what I mean, it's just, it's shocking to me. If you look just the way milk is produced, oh, it's just most people don't realize that in no. order for the cow to give milk, she needs to repeatedly one after the other give birth. Yeah. And every single time, normally when it's a male, it gets killed, they get separated, the male doesn't survive. But have you ever seen a cow trying to reach for his baby? There's no difference between a mother, a mother and their children, humans and animals. There's no difference. You see them cry. You see them scream. You see them try to go over that fence to go get their children. It's absolutely brutal. Yeah. I have no idea how. I'm a very sensitive person when it comes to that. And I don't understand how that's still acceptable in today's society. I, still, I really don't get it. It goes back to cognitive dissonance and yeah. also this, this uh, disconnect between the other, the other animals and, for example, your dog. Uh, yeah. that's that's so common and it's so unfortunate because you and I and our the viewers I'm sure we all know that that cow has equal feelings to the to my dog that's lying here um, but the the right is just completely swayed like it's not it's not fair at all because people don't have that connection I believe 
So another part of education that I think would be helpful is what you had said, the shelters and also taking children to sanctuaries and yeah. having school trips. I've tried to do that actually for my schools and I'm happy that I was able to um, being a parent and exposing children to meet those animals firsthand to realize that that pig has the same feelings and ability to suffer and love and love as their family dog. That's where I think when people start making that connection that things can change for the better. Yeah, those zoos needs to stop too. Oh, absolutely. That is one thing that drives me nuts are zoos. So I would say, don't go to zoos. Don't support them. Uh, Zoos are not doing very well, as we know. And circuses, I mean, there's a circus now I've heard that's going to run without animals. And that's all due to pressure from us. Mm -hmm. The activists, the advocates, we just have to keep saying our message and eventually it gets heard. I go back to the beginning of our conversation when we talked about Blue, the dog. I believe that the voices of the the guardians and the voices of the community that formed put pressure on the shelter let him go and i would say the same is for the movement itself and so we just have to keep keep going strong and we hold so much power yes we hold so much power in numbers but for some reason people are scared to take back their to take back their power yes Yes. And I mean, I do a lot of posting on Instagram. I like to do it in a positive way where I, I like to feature animal rescues and sanctuaries and promote them because they need all the help they can get. Most people don't know, or maybe some people do know that they're privately run. They're run on charity. They don't get government subsidies. Yeah. Um, so I'd love for the followers to go on my page, uh, Susanna Gartner and or my other page is animal law advocacy where we post positive progressive animal rights stories i like to lift people up because there's so much you know so much bad stuff that happens and if we keep moving forward in a positive direction um then we can have more people on our side which is what we need right the masses i agree with you 100 percent. i think it's the perfect way to end this too yes <laughs> I, I really want to take, thank you for reaching out and taking the time to do this. I really, really enjoyed our conversation and hopefully it is the first of many. We will, I got a feeling we'll, uh, we'll collaborate on quite a few things together. I think so too. Yeah. Thank you so much for, uh, for having me on the podcast. I've enjoyed every minute of it and <laughs> love what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you very much. Okay. Take care.